0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we're here to talk about how to write a cold email that stands out and drives action. Everyone knows that cold email is still in the end. It is one of the best ways to reach out to people, especially through cold email. So you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. Now, I always like to know where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I love to see some of these. We're usually worldwide. Now, JC, it's great to have you here, man. As a guest, which I will get to you in a bit in terms of what your background is. How did you get into sales in the first place?
1: Yeah, it was a uh, not a very linear route by any means. I just saw someone say RIP Celtics in the chat. I'm a big Celtics fan, so um, yeah, don't rub it in. Um, but on the note of Celtics and sports, I wanted to be a sports agent my whole life. Um uh, loved sports. I watched Jerry Maguire one time. and was like, yep, that's what I want to do. So I was laser focused on that all throughout college. Um, I took the LSAT, got into law school, landed my dream internship at a sports agency. And after a a six week internship, I was like, holy shit, I hate this industry and I do not want to do this anymore. So, uh, I kind of pivoted and I'm like, I feel like I've got some traits and skills that would lend well to, to sales. And so I landed an SDR job right out of college and then. Five months later i left that company and joined Gong as an sdr and fast forward almost three years and still here as a, a mid-market ae
0: now phenomenal man now speaking of which for those who don't know this is jc pollard he is a mid-market ae over at gong and a shining star in the organization with phenomenal content in linkedin if you guys don't know who he is be sure to check him out on linkedin so JC, one more thing. When it comes to cold email, what do you think a lot of reps are missing? Uh, I think a
1: lot of reps are sending emails that they would not even respond to if they were on the receiving end of them. And so I think that's something like we have to keep in mind is, you know, clicking send on the email just to hit your everything metrics is not going to benefit you in any way, shape or form. You have to be sending emails that warrant a response and are going to stand out in
0: somebody's inbox. So true. And I would love to hear from our audience. Put a 1 in the chat if you sent an email that you know you probably wouldn't reply to yourself. I know I'm guilty of it, so I'll definitely be putting a 1. But I'm already seeing some 1s in here. It's definitely a thing. People do it. A, it happens, you know? So we'll make sure that you're kind of set up for success so that doesn't happen. Now, before we begin, you guys are looking to level up in 2023, we are here to help you with our daily sales show. Yes, we do this daily. You can grab tons of additional resources and tactics from the top 100 sales professionals by scanning this qr code or just hitting that link right there also i want to tell you guys about a little special something we got cooking for june we have the sell better hotline personal branding cohort this is going to be a cohort of 30 days right we're gonna do it for 30 days we're accepting 20 lucky people to increase your personal brand preference we will be engaging and social uh, showing you what social media posts to post how to post them and how to just level up your social media game if you guys are interested in this i'm gonna go ahead and drop the link in the chat be sure to sign up because uh who knows you might be one of the lucky 20 and you can definitely increase your personal brand this way now we couldn't do this without a partner so special shout out to gong outplay and vidyard Thank you so much if you guys haven't checked these tools out check them out they're one of the best out there and of course the drop of the day we have real outbound sequencing from leading companies. so this is real examples from companies like drift vidyard and outplay who have their sequences laid out for you that you could study line by line i'm gonna drop the link to that in the chat as well be sure to check that out so what are we covering today? Before I, I tell you all, I want to know who is in the room. This is going to help tailor the conversation. If they're SDRs, I'm going to ask SDR questions. If there's frontline managers, frontline manager question. Like, you know, JC, how can managers make sure that their reps are ready with cold emailing? So be sure to fill this out. It helps guide the conversation. We are going to be covering the best places to find relevant info about your prospects, how to creatively weave that information into your email, and then lastly, how to be brief, relevant, but also very creative, which is key here. You want that creativity. Now, I'm already seeing that there's tons of SDRs, about 31% RAEs, and about 12% senior leadership. JC, does that surprise you at all? No, not at all. Not I can't. at all great to have you guys all here thank you so much for tuning in so let's just get right into it oh i'm already seeing a question here in the chat be sure to set your your chat to everyone go ahead and click that blue bubble for me everybody and switch it to everyone that way we can all see what you guys are writing so let's get right down into it when it comes to cold email you said something in the pre-call that your mindset is one of the most important things you can work on can you tell me more about this jc Yeah. So I have one rule for
1: cold emailing. And if I break this rule, I didn't do my job. If I live by this rule, I did my job. And the rule is, I want it to be abundantly clear to whoever receives my emails that that email was sent to them and them only. If there's any chance somebody reading one of my emails thinks that they were on a list of 300 people that got the same email, then I've completely failed to do my job. So my mindset and my approach, every single time I click send, I want my prospect to know immediately that that was sent to them and them only.
0: I see. That's a very important thing to encompass, but how can it be done tactic, tactically? Tactically. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that's a good question because that that's the challenge that it presents, right? Personalization is critical. I don't think there's anyone here would argue against that. The challenge is we have to be able to do it in a way that's scalable and repeatable and efficient Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't create like a bottleneck in our process. If we're spending 45 minutes to an hour crafting an email that's like perfectly tailored, we're not going to be able to get the quantity of outreach out that we need. So we have to be able to do this really efficiently. And so the key here is to know where to look for information that allows you to personalize to know how to incorporate that quickly and to be able to get these messages out in a really repeatable and efficient way.
0: Okay. I like that a lot. Now, I'm already seeing that there's about 48% SDRs in the room. For those SDRs, what do you think they should change in terms of their mindset when it comes to cold emailing?
1: Uh, I think there's a few things. I think, first of all, that mindset that I talked about, right? that should be your approach. You should be thinking, How do I make it clear to my prospect that they weren't on a batch and blast email? The second component to it is how do you write a very compelling and concise email that incorporates some personalization? I think if you guys follow some statistics on like email responses, a few problems that SDRs make is, and AEs, anyone that's emailing makes, emails tend to be really wordy. They tend to be really technical, filled with a bunch of jargon, and they tend to be way too long. Most people are reading these emails on their mobile phones. So for an SDR, I would try to pivot your mindset to, how do I make my emails almost feel like a text? Concise and casual and to the point and not full of tons of lengthy words and personal with a really quick C to A,
0: and then we're sending them off and moving on to the next one. Right. Now, you said something there. You want to make sure you have that personalization, which brings us into the next point very well. When it comes to this personalization, what should people be looking for?
1: Yeah. And this is something I'm, I'm a really big proponent of. I think that there are different layers of personalization. One is personalization based on title or the fact that they've been at their company for five years or whatever we have to go deeper than that now there's literally ai that can scan the linkedin page and personalize at that level i'm looking for that next level of personalization something about that person that shows i've done my research and i went a layer deeper to understand who they are so the first place i start is linkedin obviously people post stuff on linkedin all the time that i don't know why it's on linkedin like I love the barbecue, or I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd, or whatever that might be. The next place I'll go is the company website, specifically when I'm reaching out to an executive person, somebody at the C-level. Almost every company has an about our leadership team page on their website with little snippets about all of their senior leaders, and almost all the time, there's something about what they do in their personal life outside of work. I'm not sure why. And companies want their leaders to seem human, but there's golden information when we go there. And then the next place is social media. Look at somebody's Twitter, look at somebody's Facebook, find their Instagram. There is a lot of stuff we can uncover about our prospects. If we go that next level and we look for stuff, it's not just their title, their job, et cetera.
0: All right. Now I want to hear from our audience. You guys personalize all of your emails what are you looking to do? Is it mostly just templated and you send it out, or are you going more for that personalization angle? Now, I'm seeing Benjamin here asking the chat, it's a pretty interesting question. I know back then, I've seen a lot on LI about your email having to be 75 to 125 words, but now more and more people are saying 50 and below. Where do you sit on this? Do you think it needs to be a certain length and how can you do that with personalization? So I never tell people hard metrics in
1: terms of what an email should look like, because candidly the data is always changing, but what I encourage people to do is follow resources like Gong or Lavender and just stay up to date on what's working. There are subject lines that would work a year ago 80% of the time that won't even get clicked on now. There are length of emails that used to warrant a response that people would recommend staying away from now. So like. I just recommend stay up to date on how the trends are changing because six months ago, something that worked might not work now. So I'm not going to give people like concrete rules or a box to fit in when it's a a moving target. It's something that changes all the time.
0: Okay. I I like that. I think that's a very important point that people should understand. Although data can help, it's really just to provide a little bit of guidance, not be taken a hundred percent and incorporated completely across. you got to use your own discernment and just try new things.
1: Yeah. And data changes like the subject line, quick question used to work almost every time because nobody used it. And then people found out that it worked and then everyone started using it. And now when somebody sees the subject line, quick question, they immediately know, don't, don't click on that email. So really important to stay up to date
0: on trends and to just, you know, keep tabs on, on how things are changing and what works and what doesn't. All right. So we talked about that personalization and where people should go things like websites going into the profiles of those higher execs and seeing what their personal life could be like that you can incorporate now what about writing that into the email uh what should that look like i know you had a really great point for us here uh when it comes to this you should have personalization and in the first line or should it be throughout the whole body So
1: i just try to make the first line of the email come off as very unique so that it would encourage someone to read it it doesn't matter how good your email is if it doesn't get written it's not going to get you the results you want so if there's something hyper personalized about a prospect that i'm going to mention i'm going to make sure i mention it in the first line i'll also weave it throughout the email but i'm not going to go through the work of personal personalizing and then take the risk that they don't even get to the part of the email that's personalized so i incorporate it early and often i also saw a great question in the chat which is For SDRs, how can an SDR balance personalization if the KPIs don't allow them time to realistically personalize beyond title, et cetera? I promise you, you can become really fast at this in a way that it's not going to present a bottleneck. I've been an SDR at Gong for a year. I've since then been an AE. I self-sourced 82% of the revenue I closed last year. So I'm still doing this every single day. And you get to the point where you know what to look for, you know where to look, and you see one thing that allows you to just launch into a quick email, get that out really quickly. So you'll really get the flow of this down where it doesn't become a lengthy process. I would say on average, it takes me between three and four minutes to research, find something personali- personalized, and get the entire email sent out per prospect. So this is something that can become really speedy and really fast part of your process.
0: Amazing. And- You said here the first line is where you like to include that personalization. Is that just to be like a hook for your audience? Yeah, essentially. But um, not
1: only the first line, like the whole email is personalized, but I just want to make sure I'm incorporating some of that in the first line so that
0: it gets read. Okay. I I can see how that can be very effective. Um, So you also mentioned this in the pre-call and it's like, if it looks and sounds like a marketing email, I have failed. Why is that? I think that everyone knows what a marketing email
1: sounds like. Really lengthy. They usually talk about your product or service a lot. And it's clear that they were written like in a very corporate tonality. Emails that work the best are very casual and conversational in the way somebody would almost text. So if you're sending emails with lengthy paragraphs and tons of data and all this stuff, like people are just so accustomed to tuning that out. Um, I share this on LinkedIn all the time, but the average C-level executive, so people that we're reaching out to a lot, gets 121 emails every day. If somebody's been getting 121 emails every day for years on years, they have developed a very strong filter in their brain for what gets read and what gets immediately sent to the trash. Marketing emails immediately get sent to the trash. so We need to make sure the emails we send do not come off in the same way. For the marketing in Melwood.
0: No hate to anyone if, if you're in marketing, but <laughs> I think it's, it's the reality. All right. I can definitely see how that can be the case. And you strike a really good point there that these high level executives have a very strong filter for what they want to read and what they don't want to read. Now, I know someone's going to ask this, but when it comes to your subject line, then what do you like to include?
1: I, this is a, another thing that I will never give concrete answer on because subject line what works and what doesn't changes all the time Mm -hmm. Uh, i I try to keep them short i try to keep them i I avoid anything that's like gimmicky or spammy i try to think like what i click on this if it hit my inbox but i'm not going to tell anyone like this works this doesn't because it literally changes all the time um but i do try to incorporate a little personalization in my subject line as well we're going to show an example later on this call of an email i sent that was hyper personalized and you'll see in that case what i made the subject line based off of what the email was talking about
0: all right i like it and we will definitely cover that towards the end so be sure to stick around now when it comes to your email i know you want to structure it a specific kind of way can you break down the structure that you explained to us in the prequel yeah so One thing you'll notice uh,
1: in my emails, they're very, very, very customer-centric, and they're not talking about my solution a lot at all. An email should not be outlining the 14 things that your software or your product does to help somebody. It should just be generating some curiosity and having a brief call to action. But all of my emails follow a pretty simple structure. It's quick personalization. Mentioning of a typical pain that that person might have based on what their role is. A brief snippet about how a gong applies to that or solves for that. A very brief one. All I'm trying to do is generate some curiosity like, huh, I wonder how it does that. What does it actually do? And then a call to action that's interest-based. This is something that I will say concretely. We should not be asking for time in cold emails like, do you have 30 minutes next week to unpack this? Or do you want to meet with my AE Our call to action should always be interest-based. Is this of interest? Is this worth unpacking? Do you want to learn more? That kind of stuff. Asking for time right off the bat is very, very assumptive. We don't even know if that email remotely landed for them or resonated in any way. It's too much to just immediately ask for them to give 30 or 45 minutes of their time. So just ask if it's of interest and then go from there.
0: That is a very good point. Now, I want to hear from our audience. What is your favorite interest-based CTA? Throw it in the chat. Would love to see some of these and break them down. I know the habit is usually to ask for time. It's what most people are trained on. But why is that a bad thing, JC? Because I don't think uh, people realize what it really comes across as.
1: Yeah, like I just said, it's assumptive. Uh, we, don't, we don't know if they're interested. So why ask for their time? We should just see, is that worth something or is it something that's worth unpacking to them? Is it something that's, I love that. Is this on your radar at all? Uh, I wouldn't ask, are you the right person to reach out about this? Um, that's it. I would, I would not ask a favor of someone or if they're the right person, because like to me, that says I didn't do my research. When I send an email to someone, I'm like, I know you're the right person for this because I, I, I know your profile, I know your role, et cetera. So I love that, Kevin. Is this worth exploring? That's great. Um, where the conversation is awesome. Is this on your radar? I love that.
0: Yeah. Some really good examples here. Fantastic, guys. So try to incorporate this in your opener emails, your first cold email and beyond. First, you want to see if there's actually interest and then you can start switching up your CTA to be more of a hard CTA. Like, okay would you have 30 minutes so that we can discuss this fully but first you got to make sure that there's interest to begin with It's very mainly now i saw here that in this email structure you talk about your brief solution right you mentioned that you keep it very very brief why is that and why should people avoid feature dumping
1: um i think it's important to recognize like what we're trying to get out of a cold email we're not getting somebody to buy off of a cold email. We, we probably aren't even booking a meeting off of a cold email. I always viewed a cold email as like, if I do my job and I send a really good cold email, that buys me some time when I catch them via cold call because they're going to recognize my name. I never assumed that a cold email is going to generate a meeting. So based on that, it's like, okay, if, my, if the outcome I want is them to just be interested or be aware, then... Why should my ask be for time or for a meeting, et cetera, and why should I tell them every single thing we do, right? The end goal eventually is we're going to get these people on a demo. That demo, they'll learn about the product, the features, the functionality. The email is just supposed to tease a problem that they might have and show that we can potentially solve it or that other people leverage us to solve that enough to the point where they're like, I want to see how it does that. I want to see if it can do that, et cetera. And the other thing to keep in mind is people aren't going to read a long email. So if you're like, John captures records and analyzes all of your customer facing interaction and cross-references that data with your CRM in a way that can surface Intel on close rate, and I think it's like, dude, people are going to lose interest so fast So just keep it brief, keep it in place, keep it at the point.
0: Okay. I, I like how you mentioned that. You want to keep it brief. I think of this a lot of times, like how when you first meet someone new for the first time, You don't want to spill everything about yourself in that first handshake you'll come across as a little odd instead you want to slowly build up interest in the conversation and grow that relationship with this new person that you just met you can't just spill the beans right away it's too much too fast it's also not customer centric right like
1: the reality is people are not buying a software or a solution because they they want to buy something They probably have a pain or a problem that they're looking to solve. I think one of my favorite quotes that applies to sales is like, and sadly it's a reality, um, painkillers, people buy a lot more painkillers than vitamins, right? People spend a lot more money on things that are solving a pain, something that's bothering them than they do for something that's like preemptively going to potentially provide benefit. So we have to find that pain and pull at that pain and, and tease the pain and the fact we have a solution instead of being like, this can help you X, Y, and Z. It's all about it's all about pain. And that's what our job is to do. Let's find that. All right. Yeah. Asking for time uh, project confidence in solving pain. Um I think that asking for time later projects confidence. And I would actually reframe that as not asking for time, but recommending or suggesting time so if somebody gets back to your email with a question about x y and z and they're like okay there's clearly interesting it's like hey my recommendation is if this is of interest we actually find 45 minutes to unpack it's more in depth but i think it's too early in an initial cold email to ask for somebody's time good question though mike
0: that's a great point there that you said that you want to make the recommendation so you don't come across as i'm just trying to take right away right. very important Now, we talked about personalization a bit, but I want to get into it a little deeper. What are the different types of personalization available? I know uh, you mentioned some things in the past that had to do with personal and company. Could you tell me more about these? Yeah.
1: So personal level personalization is something that Julia Carter, who's on this call, hates, which is referencing like a hobby or something they care about outside of work that we can tie into the email. Uh, I don't know why Julia doesn't use these because she could potentially hit quota for once if she did, but that's the first kind. It's personal. It's a hobby base, et cetera. Um, company level personalization is personal. Julia, I, I had two inbounds this whole year so far. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay. No, know-, know your data. Um Company-level personalization is based on stuff like maybe a an earnings call, or maybe the company just launched a new product, or maybe they're hiring for four account executives, et cetera. So it's deeper level personalization based on company-level initiatives, things you've learned through research on the company. Personal and company is, I think, like one of the most impactful kinds of personalization. It's if we know something about the person we know something about the company's initiatives and we can marry the two together in an email uh, i think did we put the salsa email in here adrian at that uh we
0: did not we have the merit okay. well cool
1: um i'll give i'll just talk through an example of this at the end but this is when we can get creative and reference something that they care about in their own life something the company cares about and then tie it into our solution real quick and i think if you can do those two those are like the emails where you actually do just book and demo off the email because people are like, holy shit, this is this is pretty cool. This is this is pretty special. So awesome. Those are the kinds.
0: I want to hear from our audience now. When it comes to these different types of personalization, how long does it take you guys to personalize your email? Are you looking at one to five minutes, five to ten minutes, ten plus minutes? I know I've been there where I've been doing the research and you just get lost in the sauce. You're just You know, the time just loses you researching and now you spend way longer than 10 minutes just trying to personalize one email. So let me know. And JC, when it comes to this, how much time do you recommend people actually spend doing this research for this personalization?
1: Yeah, so I think it's really dependent on your role, on your segment, et cetera. So uh, yeah, and Kimberly, did it take me longer at first? 100%. Like my first two months as an SDR probably took me 25 minutes in email. Because i was getting my flow i was learning the process but uh there is no blanket rule for how long you should spend because it's so different right if i'm about to send an email to a chief revenue officer at the biggest account in my book i might spend 30 minutes on it i might go deep in the weeds and find something really personal about that person and find some company level research if i'm emailing a sales manager at like a small tier three account I might want to bang it out in two minutes and put in minimal effort, et cetera. So it totally depends. It also depends on your segment. If you're selling to you know, strategic companies where you have limited prospects, limited accounts, and you know it's more of a strategic approach, maybe you want to take longer. If you are selling to a book of like 20,000 tiny companies, you got to batch and blast it a little bit more. So I can't give a blanket answer, um, but you do become a lot more efficient at this over time for sure.
0: Okay. And when it comes to these types of personalization, where do you think the best locations are to find either personal or company research?
1: Um, So, yeah, we talked about that earlier. It's it's LinkedIn first, always company website, and then social media. Uh, I also encourage people to specifically when they're reaching out to like VP level or above, just do a quick Google search for them if they've ever done an interview or podcast before. A lot of people we're reaching out to, if it's a chief marketing officer or a, a chief technical officer, et cetera, they've done an interview or they have a podcast somewhere on YouTube. And if you could just quote a small snippet of what they talked about and then tie that back to what you're solving for, people love hearing their own words. So, you know, I would exhaust all those, all those resources. Okay.
0: Now, I'm seeing here from the questions we just asked that it takes our audience about 50% 5 to 10 minutes per personalized email about 34% said 10 minutes plus per personalized email and only 1 to 5 minutes for 16% of our audience so jc has this been the case for you you know doing this personalization is was it like it in the beginning and got better towards the end as you mentioned a bit before
1: yeah it, it took me a while at first, and there are some emails that still take me ten plus minutes, but I would say on average it's less than five minutes
0: okay, for sure now, one way that you mentioned that you like to cut down the time is you separate your sequences. so you have two different types to go with. you either have those top tier or the lower level. Why do you split yeah. them into, and what's the difference? Yeah, so I use two sequences.
1: One is for people that I want to guarantee nothing automated ever gets sent to them. So like I mentioned earlier, this is a CRO at a top account or a CEO at a company I really want to break into. People that I need to be hyper aware of what's being sent to them. I want to be putting a ton of effort into every single touch point because like, the size of prize is massive. This is a whale. This is an account that I really want to land. The reality is there's also a lot of companies that don't warrant that type of energy or effort and so i have a lower level sequence as well so this is you know directors and below at, at companies i want to break into or leadership at smaller companies smaller sales teams that are, are worth reaching out to but aren't worth a ton of effort and in this case the first email is always personal personalized regardless but the rest of the sequence is pretty automated it's you know follow-up emails automated check-ins maybe one more manual email but for the most part it's personalized email and then an automated touch points and cold calls that top tier sequence is strictly cold calls manual emails and manual linkedin notes that are that are all going to be like my highest level of effort highest level of importance
0: okay so do you recommend to people in our audience separate the two uh, by c level so if they are uh, anything above a manager to throw them into that top tier Anything below a manager ought to put them into the lower level. I don't necessarily
1: draw like hard lines in the sand. It's like if I'm prospecting someone, I'm like, this is somebody I need to talk to. Like I have to get to this person. They'll go in my tier one sequence. If it's somebody that doesn't check that box, I'll put them in another the sequence. So typically all C-level people are going to go into my top tier sequence, but there might be like a manager and you know, that isn't doesn't necessarily warrant that based on title, but I'm like, oh man, they have used Gong in the past or they just got hired and they look influential. Like you can use your discretion, but I do think it's important to have different sequencing options based on level of priority for that person, especially for AEs that are owning their own outreach with their own accounts.
0: Like you want to be really diligent about who receives what message. Fantastic. Now, I know we mentioned that we had these examples for you all at the end. So here they are turns out we do have the salsa example so we can break it down but first let's go over this 50 marathons tell me more about this why do you like this email yeah
1: uh julia by the way this deal just closed uh last month for like 30k so uh analogies work um yeah so this is somebody i was researching uh i looked on linkedin nothing right vp of sales went to college nothing personalized So I went to their company website, didn't find anything. So I just did a quick search on Google for his name. Turns out he has an entire website that he made about himself and his love for marathon running and then ultra bike racing. So I'm like, this guy clearly cares about that. We're going to write an email based on that. He was a chief revenue officer. You'll notice the subject line is like, this is going to stand out, right? No marketing emails. You have to say 50 marathons. Are you, yeah, do you mind zooming in? Is that possible? I think it's pretty... Pretty hard to see
0: see if it is possible. I don't believe so, but if you guys are able to screenshot it, you can actually zoom in, um, a lot quicker.
1: I'm, um, I'm just going to copy and paste it into the chat. Uh, so one of the things I noticed about this particular prospect is that he had ran 50 marathons and I had just run my first marathon. So I'm like, that's exactly what I want to write about. I'll just read it out loud. Hey, Blank, 50 marathons is insane. I just ran my first one a few weeks ago, finished at 3.30. I'm absolutely hooked. I'll be running another one in Chicago in October. As a runner, ultra biker, and chief revenue officer, you know people can't race well if they don't have the right support. Whether you're crushing Leadville or crushing quotas, you need to prepare for obstacles in your path. So that's a quick pain point, right? Like if they need support, obstacles in your path. Then it's a tiny snippet about what our solution does sales leaders like yourself leverage the data from their team's conversations to better understand the race they're about to run by surfacing valuable insights to drive performance and revenue o- uh, open to reopening the conversation I promise it won't take eight hours and 23 minutes that was the time it took for him to race the Bull 100 so a little call back to something that he did brief quick to the point and I think you'll notice is like the tone is very casual Right? This is a cheap revenue officer. This is a, I'm an important person that I'm reaching out to, but this isn't corporate-y. This isn't, you know, stiff. This is like the the, <laughs> the opening line is 50 marathons is insane. Like that, that just comes off in a friendly tone and I think people respond a lot better to that than they do to really lengthy corporate level jargon.
0: It seems like the chat is loving your email here. Everyone, put a one in the chat if you want to incorporate this level of personalization into your emails and put a two if you don't want to do this, but you're going to find a way sometime in the future. So look at all these ones, man. People are loving this email. So how long did it take you to actually come up with this? Because... Oh, Jerry, a great question about did I use chat CPT? Sorry to cut
1: you off, Adrian. Okay. Um... So, I don't use Chat GPT um, to write my emails. Occasionally, though, I will leverage them for some ideas. So, I didn't in this case at all, but let's say I found this about him. Uh, I might go on Chat GPT and say, write a super brief analogy between running 50 marathons and using Gong. It's going to spit out a lot of stuff. I'm not going to use that verbatim because, like AI, you can so clearly tell that it's written by AI but it does oftentimes give us a decent framework that you can customize and tailor. So I think if people are like struggling, like, I, I think that I'm, I've always loved like puns and analogies and I'm, I feel like I'm pretty creative with like wordplay and a lot of people maybe don't have that skill set, but they're better elsewhere. If you're somebody that kind of struggles with that creativity, try chat GPT for a little inspiration. I don't think that's a, a bad idea at all. Just make sure that you're editing it in a way that comes up as it was written by a human for sure.
0: That is a great idea. I use ChatGPT very often in my workflow, but you mentioned something very, very important there. You cannot copy it verbatim. Very obvious that it came from AI. Just use it for ideas. It's incredible for ideas, guys. And as you use yeah. it, you'll get better at incorporating it into your workflow.
1: 100%.
0: <laughs> Haley asked Siri, but did he respond to your marathon email? Let's see what He
1: responded 32 minutes later and said, J.C., this is a great email. In fact, I was just talking to one of my salespeople about the importance of personalization. And uh, two months later, signed a contract. (laughs) Actually, he goes, in exchange for being a smart and shrewd tech sales executive, I'm going to give you 30 minutes of my time next week. Well, he actually, yeah, that's very rare though. No one ever does that, but it, it was cool. The shows you all, oh, yeah. Played. That one took me like five minutes. It was quick. I found the Maryland thing and just ready to rock. And that's the thing, too, is like people have a lot of overlapping hobbies and stuff. So if I see somebody's a football coach, or if I see somebody who loves cooking, or if I see X, Y, and Z, like it's in my brain now. I know what's right. I know where to go. We have some templates as well. Like that's why this becomes fast. And you find that one thing, you're like, that's all I need. I can write an email based on that, et cetera.
0: All right. So it really shows the benefits of actually personalizing. And I saw here um, that you have one more and that has to do with the Salsa email. Can you break this down for us? Tell me more about it. I'll read this one out loud as well. Um,
1: So this was a CEO. uh, I couldn't find anything on LinkedIn. I went to the company website and on the About Our Leadership page, it mentioned that their CEO in his off time loves trying to craft the perfect salsa recipe. It's another example of something that's like hyper specific about one person that's clearly going to stand out in an inbox. So subject line, the perfect salsa and more revenue. I I probably would have done a different subject line now. This was 2021 as you can see. So notice you pride yourself on mastering the perfect salsa, so I'm sure you're familiar with the parallels between making a great dish and successfully driving revenue. Both are art and science, but adding some onions to a bowl is a lot easier than finding the recipe for success in sales motion. I mentioned earlier if we can do business-level personalization and human-level personalization, it's really powerful. This is where I incorporate some business-level personalization. As your company continues to scale so fast, 38% headcount growth in sales in the past year, I can only assume you're constantly searching for what successful secret recipe drives sales excellence and execution, whether it's messaging or process. Gong gives leaders visibility in the secret recipe of their successful sales motions to help them master it, like the perfect bowl of salsa. Would love some time to unpack the secret recipe, mean for your sales efforts. Curious if this aligns for you and your focuses. Would have changed a few things now. Like I said, this was a couple of years ago, but this one got a reply right away. We had a demo later that week, and I completely fucked the demo up. It was like one of the first calls I had as an AE. Never heard from them again, but. The, the email totally works. So.
0: <laughs> that is great to hear. It just shows you the impact of personalization. After that, it's up to you to take it to the finish line. So <laughs> love to see. You. And it looks like people in the chat here love it as well. So I see we have a little bit of time here for Q&A. So I kind of want to get right into it. Now, Georgia asks, can you give me an example of how you would fit someone's hobby into an email. Um, I think we just gave two examples of that. Yep. Georgia, you can definitely <laughs> take on those two examples. If you need them again, feel free to reach out to me and I'll, I'll be happy to send them your way. So, another one here from Michael. What are the qualifications that you like to do for both types of sequences, real-world example things? I think he's talking about your higher-level, your top-tier sequence, and your lower-level sequence. In terms of a real-world example, uh, who would you add to either or?
1: Yeah, I think I talked about that a little earlier, too. It's just like highest-level priority people go on one, people that don't meet that threshold. And like I said, there's no hard cut off. It's like as I'm researching someone, does this person deserve to be in one or the other?
0: All right. And Moyes here asks an interesting question. He says, what does your follow-up to these emails look like if they don't reply? Yeah, this is really important to talk about. Um, I think the
1: average amount of touch points it takes to book a meeting is somewhere between 14 and 17. So do not be discouraged if you write a fire email and it doesn't get replied to. Like the reality is it probably won't. It takes a lot of touch points to finally break into someone. So my follow up to other email is a lot of cold calls. Like I, I, I love talking about writing emails. I think I'm good at writing personalized emails at scale, but cold calling is 100% what's allowed me to succeed in this role. So after every email, I have like three or four call tasks for the next email. So Moise, in my tier one example of those like really, really high priority targets, it's personalized cold call, LinkedIn connection, cold call, cold call, wait, sorry, personalized email, LinkedIn connection cold call, cold call, cold call, cold call, another personalized email, cold call, cold call, cold call, cold call, cold call, personalized email, cold call, cold call. You get the point on the second sequence. It's like personalized email, LinkedIn note, cold call, cold call, automated email. It's like, well, not thoughts anymore. That used to be it, but like, is this of interest? That kind of stuff. Um, so it depends on those, but that's a follow up. I love this. Megan, that's a whole other topic. My cold call script strategy, that's like a two-hour show. I'm super passionate passionate about cold calls. Um, so we don't have time to dive into that. What I will say, though, is the beauty of writing a really good email is it gives you an excuse to be calling someone, and it can help your cold calls a lot. So what I encourage everyone to do is briefly reference the email they sent in their cold call. What I implore everyone not to do is to cold call someone and just reference their cold email so let me unpack that give an example adrian if i sent you an email about miami Mm -hmm. and try to reference it to something in your job i'm not going to cold call you and be like hey it's jc from gong i sent you an email about miami did you get it did you see my email that is the lamest worst cold call opener ever i hate that people hate that that does not work but we can reference the email in our cold call in a much better way. So maybe it's like, hey, Adrian, well, let's give the example of your VP of sales. Hey, Adrian, reason I'm reaching out. I noticed you're hiring five account executives. I also saw you just launched a brand new product. I assume you're rolling out some new messaging with that. And third, I shot you an email connecting how you like Dante's club and how that relates to sales. Based on that, I'm curious if you've ever heard of Gong or what we did before. Mm-hmm we're mentioning it, we're using it as part of our reason for outreach, but we're not just leaning into the fact that we sent an email as our cold call script.
0: That is phenomenal. I think that really drives a point home. Now I'm seeing there's tons of of interest for the cold calling. Guys, put a one in the chat if you would love to see JC back on here, but doing a whole segment on cold calling, because we would love to have him as well. (laughs) The chat is blowing up. So, we definitely got to have you back on for cold calling. It seems like there's tons of interest, but until then, JC, where can the people find you? Yeah. Uh, LinkedIn, I post on
1: there probably too often. Um, that's one. And then the second thing, I don't know if people have seen on LinkedIn, but Kyle Willis who's the VP of sales at Mad Kudu and I recently started something called eight straight, which is like an eight week physical community led challenge. Uh, and the second cohort of that starts on June 2nd. The goal there is it's like a group of people that start an eight-week challenge on the same day. And we have weekly calls where we talk about health, fitness, sales, cold calling, cold emailing. It's like a a tech sales-led fitness community that we do on a monthly basis. So if you're interested in that, the link is in my LinkedIn bio. Um, but other than that, yeah, just follow me on LinkedIn. And I appreciate everyone taking an hour out of their day just to back in on this. It's awesome.
0: Fantastic, man. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And thank you to everyone in the crowd who was able to engage in the comments. We love to have you here. And of course, we will see you all on the next one. See you later.